With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Fulhamish is brought to you by NordVPN, a way of accessing sports matches, TV shows, and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country which is showing the event. For instance, if you want to follow the Ashes or the Formula One this summer whilst you're on holiday using your existing subscriptions, you can do that just by flicking back your location to the UK. Or if you find a channel overseas that shows the sports matches you want at a much cheaper price, you can flick your location over to there and get around the geo blocks that are in place. NordVPN is roughly the same price as a cup of coffee a month and you can very easily make your money back with the savings you'll find on subscriptions, flights and so many other things. Right now, you can grab an exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. Best of all, it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. Hello listeners and welcome to Fulhamish, it's your independent voice of Fulham FC and we're back with another episode of The Transfer Show. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host there and I'm joined by Mr. Joe Sansom. How are you doing mate? Yeah, very well, thanks. And Mr. Jack Kelly. Yes, hello, very excited to be here. It's all very fun and of course our transfer guru, our transfer insider, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing mate? Hello mate, yeah. It, it would be a lot more exciting if he signed a footballer at some point. Like that, that's what we're waiting for in the show, isn't it? Like come on, give us something. Throw us some crumbs. Mm, give us a, throw the dogs a bone to chew on because otherwise we're going to be stuck discussing rumours. The good news is there's a couple of new rumours that we have to discuss. There's a couple of outgoing rumours that we have to discuss. There's a couple of new contracts we have to discuss. So there's going to be more than enough to get you through the next hour here on Fulham. We're going to do incomings in part one and we'll talk about potential and well, not confirmed outgoings in part two. Let's start with the exciting stuff. And let's start with the links to Serginho Des. Now, Fulham light at fullback cover at both right and left back after Levin Kazawa and Cedric Suarez both returned to their parent clubs at the end of the season. The Dest is quite a nice rumour in that it addresses two issues in the squad at once. Yeah, it is basically that. Um, I'm pretty sure that this might be my rumor, so I've got to be a bit careful about knocking this down. Um, it's look, De- this is this is the situation. Dest needs a new football club like that. That's where we're at at the moment. Like Dest needs a future away from Barcelona, and they don't have that many clubs interested in him right now. So Dest's people very open minded about how this might open up. Like, of course, in a dream world, Dest would still want to be at Barcelona. Nobody wants to leave, but. Um, there aren't that many opportunities for that to happen. So, yeah, I was asked the other day about like, you know, what happens with Dest and Fulham are one of the clubs I was told will be sounded out over a move if he was to come to the Premier League. And it really does make sense because, like you say, the versatility that's there combined with the fact that there are two areas we always need that extra option in is kind of perfect. And Dest at the moment, look, he's, he's fallen off a cliff a little bit from where he was when he was coming through at Ajax and leaving Ajax. Talked about as the next best thing um, in, in that area of the pitch, but it hasn't quite worked out for him in, in recent times. He needs a little bit of a reset Fulham's always a good a good place for something like that, uh, and like, I'd love I'd love Des to come to Fulham in in that sort of role. Um, I think that he could actually thrive too. I think that he's one of those players that once he gets a bit of confidence, he could easily lift up his levels. This is a player that, that Man United have tracked in the past and has been linked because of I guess Eric Ten Hag. Um, I just feel like there's an opportunity to be had there with Dest and I don't think it would be a particularly difficult deal to do. I don't think it'd be a particularly expensive deal to do. And I'm quite excited about the fact that 
there's some potential to it. I don't think this has gone that far. I think it's important to point that out. I think this is very early stages of Dest sounding out potential landing spots. But the fact that we are one of those few spots means that there's something to cling on to. Yeah, I mean, Jack, it, it kind of makes sense from all perspectives, right? There is that versatility. There is an open spot on both sides as first choice backup, which is a role that you'd imagine he'd be like, right, I can come in and, and make this spot my own. Uh, but also there's there's links to the other Americans in the squad, Anthony Robinson, Tim Ream. This has been a, a place where Americans have come and thrived on, on a regular basis. Yeah, we spoke last week about how we want to make the team Portuguese and Brazilian. Maybe we just want to make the whole team American and um, <laughs> cater to the American audience given we're going over there in pre-season. Um, I, I can't sit here and say I've seen an awful lot of Des play football. Um, I know of him through video games, um, of course. Um, but if he's versatile, you know, we, we spoke about uh, a player who's versatile in Ola Enia, who's suddenly resurfacing as being linked to game with Fulham. Um, and look, that sort of player is very beneficial because he play on the left, he can play on the right, and it just really, really helps. Um, he was linked like last summer as well. I seem to remember Dest was. Um, yeah, I would be. I'd be happy. Like we need a we need a backup fullback on, on either side. So so I would not turn this down whatsoever. I'd, I'd, I would like for this to happen. I'd like for something to happen. So, um, but also you know. Now that the European Championships is over as well, I'm sure Max Aarons will probably be linked again. He was someone we were linked with a couple of weeks ago. So there are options there. And, and Dest, you know, he's played European football. He's, he's obviously very, very good. And, you know, if we can bring him over to Craven Cottage, um, I'd be very, very happy. Yeah, Joe, I think there are the the only slight drawback is the lack of football that he's kind of had in the last couple of years. Obviously struggled to get into that Barcelona side, went out to AC Milan on loan, struggled to to break into the side there as well. There are still, I think, defensive questions over over Dest going backwards. But as an attacking fullback and someone who who likes to get forward and make things happen in the final third, that is what Silver asks a lot of from his fullbacks to be able to make that difference in those areas. It's the way that Fulham build up. And and that for me, I think is the, the main positive out of this one. Yeah, definitely. And I, I quite like its comparisons to the Mbabu deal, which sadly didn't work out last summer in which we've got Tete, who's very defensively apt um, and also is very good going forward, but defensively he's definitely one of the best in the league. Um, and then you've got that option off the bench and Babu. And we saw with that goal, Mitrovic scored last minute, how important it is to maybe have attacking options uh, in those fullback areas. You know, you don't always need to bring on another striker. You don't always need to bring on Tom Kearney for Harrison Reed, for example, to have a bit more attacking impetus. And, uh, you know, having someone that's a higher quality backup that maybe uh, can offer something different when Tete's tiring or maybe just not having his best game. Um, or Robinson on the other side as well. Um, you know, it's a great option to have. Um, and um, we've seen Silver before has drastically improved everyone at the club, but in particular those players that maybe haven't quite had the best years elsewhere recently. For example, yeah. Andreas Pereira. You remember all the backlash when we were signing him and everyone was thinking, oh, you know, he hasn't played um, his best football in a long time. And then, you know, finally maybe um, having a good season for Flamengo. And you're almost thinking, you know, is that just because it is Flamengo? Um, so it's one of those things where I'm really hoping this is another case of a player that is coming to reassert their... Um, well, I guess just re reignite their career essentially. And, you know, the full America links always make this one that could definitely be something to keep an eye out for. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, let's stay with America, shall we? And we were linked with Brendan Aronson a couple of weeks back. That has not gone through. He's gone off to Union Berlin on loan to play in the Champions League. But we were linked with a different American midfielder instead, Dean. Eunice Musa on the move from Valencia this summer, it seems. And Fulham in a tussle with AC Milan for his services. Mate, we should have gone for all of them. Dest, Adams, McKenney, Musa, Pulisic. We should have got the lot. We could have got like a group discount off America uh, to have all of their all of their talent and bring them through. But yeah, um, I think that that Musa one has become more interesting on the back end of last week. But I also feel that it's mainly because of they were getting the Pulisic deal done and they kind of pulled off on on the Adams in, on the Musa interest just for a moment. Um, what it has done is because uh, Milan haven't progressed that that transfer in the way that it had been moving previously, Fulham have been able to kind of, I think I, I've worded it as get their foot in the door um, 
when I was writing about it the other day, they've got an opportunity. Now, look, I saw a few people tweeting about this who were uh, uh, insiders in other countries, and they were talking about a 20 million pound deal, like moving close to being done on Yunus Musa, um, which kind of got me like on the trail of chasing this even more aggressively to see if that was the case. Now, it wasn't quite that far along. Um, and to be honest, the the thing that worries me the most in terms of it getting done is that the player really wants to join AC Milan. Um, the, he's kind of got his head set for that now. Uh, Milan obviously have American owners of their own and they are keen to pursue that route. They've just got Pulisic through the door and Musa would be a really good fit for for where they want to take their their team. Obviously, they, they've lost to Nali in midfield, slightly different profile, but it's still some a body to have in that area of the pitch. Um, he's such a good player. I would love him at Fulham. I'd love Yunus Musa to come into Fulham. Like This is a transfer opportunity that you can't pass by with at least trying here for Fulham. Um, it's obviously an area of the field where we are worried at the moment with Palinia. Now, there's nothing to be said on that front still, which is good news. In fact, West Ham are probably less confident than they've been at any point in the past three weeks of landing Palinia. So I'm happy about that. And if it means that we don't get Musa because we've still got Palinia, great, happy days. I'll, I'll move forward with that. But yeah, this is um, this Musa has come... Back onto the radar, I'd say, over over the days leading to the weekend. And now Fulham will be able to make more progress on that if Milan don't accelerate on it again. So let's wait and see. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Jack, an, an interesting one here in that he actually counts as a homegrown player, I think, because mm. the fact that he, he spent seven years at Arsenal mm. uh, between 2012 and 2019. He played for the England youth setups from under 15 to under 18s. Now he's obviously gone on to become a full United States international. But it's always worth considering these things, I think, when, when you're talking about players that he wouldn't have to be coming in here with, with work permit issues or, or any of those things because that sets you up. And it's also something you have to consider when you're squad building. Yeah, and he, each, he even tweeted over the weekend that he was in London. He said, or he said, British weather at its finest with a rain emoji. So um, that, that could be promising. He played two 90-minute games uh, for the USA against Canada and, and Mexico recently. He hasn't played 90 minutes for Valencia since January. In fact, his last appearance for Valencia, he came on and three minutes later, he got sent off um, against <laughs> Real Betis in a one-all draw. Um, I... Mm. Don't know an awful lot about this player, but um, from what I've heard, he seems pretty decent. And uh, look, we need another midfielder in the door. Uh, we don't know whether Tom Kearney can, you know, play that role uh, of coming off the... I mean, he can play that role of coming off the bench, you know, every week and, and doing a job for us. But but how sustainable is that? We want to, no disrespect to Tom Kearney, but upgrade our, our players um, as we try and, you know, charge up the Premier League. And I think that someone like Moose would be fantastic signing and. Um, for for the fee that's been um, for the fee that's been said quoted, I think that's actually quite a good deal. Uh, he's very young, got potential, and I'd be I'd be one hundred percent for this. Yeah, I mean, something interesting, Joe, I think, is that Yunus Musa is incredibly press resistant, right? He started off as kind of a right winger and then he's moved backwards in, in his kind of career. He's, he's then played as a sort of shuttling number eight. He's able to play at the base of a midfield, but not maybe in the way that you expect. He's not the best pass for the ball, but what he does have is this ability to skip past players and he covers so much ground presses really well you could just imagine him fitting in in a number of different positions and we've talked about versatility when it comes to destin that he's comfortable on the left or the right this is a slightly different profile and that you wouldn't i don't think you'd want to see Yunus musa playing wide anymore um it, it doesn't really fit with how it works but that ability to just come into the midfield to be able to to sit a bit deeper carry the ball out but also to receive on the half turn and, and carry the ball through midfield is is something that maybe we don't have all that much of in this current squad and, and therefore it addresses a slightly different need. Yeah, completely. And I liked what you said there about, you know, hard working because I think that's something that Silver clearly values very highly. And if you're going to have someone that's coming in to replace, let's face it, either Pereira or Harrison Reed, if they were, if Musa was to break into the 11, should he sign? Um, that's the first box he's got to tick. He has to work as hard as they do, in particular Harrison Reed, who covers so much ground and does drift wide. And that's an advantage of Musa as well, that, you know, used to play there. He can find himself in those uh, pockets of space um, where he's maybe 
creating slightly more attacking output than we've sometimes had from our uh, number eights in that midfield. Um, age is also a big thing here in terms of some of the other midfielders that we've been linked with, you know, such as Fred that I was very hot on a few weeks ago and still would be. Um, you know, this is a player that's 10 years younger. Yeah. Um, and if you're thinking about a price that is, you know, what roughly what we've been quoted for Fred at around 20 million, you know, longevity wise, I mean, it's a, it's a no brainer in terms of that alone. And obviously that's not the only thing that you judge a signing on. Um, but it seems like a far greater value for money deal to have someone that should be in this setup for a longer time. And also should the worst happen and we sell on one day, um, a lot more resale value as well. Yeah, I, I think this is it. That, that this is it. You know, you link with Dest. We linked here with with Musa. These are players who definitely bring down the age profile. And we were talking about this, as you say, a, co- a couple of weeks back. I'm slightly concerned by the some of the transfers, not because I don't think they're good players, but because the way that Fulham's squad is set up does mean that we are edging towards the wrong side of of being on the average age limit and the eldest squad in the in the league last year. Not bringing that down, I think, would be a slight concern at this point in terms of building for three or four years in the future. So these are the kind of the deals I, I quite like to see in, in the offing. Not if they're, you know, all these deals won't come through. This is how the transfer market, how the rumor mill works. And Fulham being linked with 21, 22 year olds, I feel much more comfortable with than, you know, the idea of us being continuously linked w- with 30 year olds, even if they do have that little added extra uh, of Premier League now. I, I want to come back to one other point in that I know that we've been linked with Morato from Benfica uh, as well. And it looked like Fulham had made an initial offer or at least initial contact with Benfica. He's a, a really interesting footballer, Morato was watched him a few years back when he was coming through with Ruben Dias. And at the time when we were seeing him, it was a preseason tournament in the States called the ICC. He was the one that stood out. You know, he, he was the player of the two of him and Ruben Dias that actually looks like the more likely to go straight to the top. Now, his career is clearly stalled since then. Uh, he struggled to get into a Benfica side, which has a pretty solid defensive partnership of Nicolas Otamendi uh, and Antonio Silva, who's one of the hottest young talents in the world, I think, right now in, in his position. But, Jack, I, I'd be interested to know where you stand on our kind of centre-back debate, because obviously it looks like it's a Diop and Tim Ream look like first-choice centre-backs for the start of next season. That's fine. But with Shane Duffy gone and Tosin Adrobio looking like he might move, we'll more on that later, it does feel like Fulham need a couple in these areas. And this looks like a relatively interesting deal from where I'm standing. Yeah, minimum two centre-backs, I would say, that we need. Um, given we had, you know, four choices last season, you'd want the same again. Um, we've been linked with a few centre-backs. Igor from Fiorentina. Um, and... Um, I I can't say that I've seen an awful lot of the players that we've been linked with. Um, however, we do need bodies in the door pretty soon. And, you know, we're, we're sitting now at the 10th of July. The season kicks off in a month and two days. Um, you know, and this time last summer, we already had Paulinho through the door and things were starting to move forward a little bit. And right now, nothing seems to be very close. And I would say that centre-back is a priority position for us. Um, you know, It'd be naive to say, oh, Tim Ream and, and Diop, that makes me nervous for um, for just to have those as our twos. It doesn't make me nervous whatsoever. I have full confidence in them, but we do need backups and we need them quickly. Um, it's all well and good being linked with every midfielder under the sun, but I think that I'd be more than happy that if our first signing was a centre-back because um, we need them. Yeah, I mean, this is it, Joe, and uh, but it's another one for our Lucifer contingent. If this was to be, it was to be the case. Uh, and another Portuguese speaker he is Brazilian-born, I believe, Morato, but uh, has spent most of his upbringing coming through the Benfica academy. It does seem to be that link that you know continues to continues to thrive within these rumours. Now, whether that's people taking advantage of Fulham's signing of, of Portuguese-speaking players in the past and then looking to link them to a club where they know there would be that link. We saw this with Wolves when they every Portuguese player who left seemed to be linked with Wolves even when they weren't interested. But I think this would make sense. You know, he's, he's a player, 22, a lot of promise in his youth, another one whose career has stalled a little bit um, and, and might just be looking for somewhere to, to make his name again and start to build himself back up. And as you say, age profile, Portuguese speaker, position of need. 
Benfica willing to sell. All the all the all the cogs in the in the chain seem to add up. Yeah, it all makes a lot of sense and almost too much sense for there not to be at least a bit of truth to it. And there were some quite reliable journalists from, you know, Portugal that were saying that there, there was definitely some sort of contact, like you said, Jack. Um, I, I like as well that he's got, you know, experience of, of top level football, you know, playing in the Champions League last season, um, albeit not in every single game, admittedly. Um, definitely the sort of situation where you can see that if he came to Fulham, that's a place where you'd think he can take his career to the next level by playing first team football every week, you would think eventually guaranteed starting place unless something disastrous happened, especially yeah. with the fact that Tim Ream is getting on a bit. Um, and the fact that, like you say, Tosin um, looks set to not be around next season. It looks like at the moment he'd only be competing with two players um, for a starting role. Um, I, I definitely think that this is one to, to keep an eye on and the fact that it just makes so much sense, but he's obviously not the only centre-back we've been linked with. Um, and like Jack said as well, um, you know, a centre-back is a is a pressing position. Even as of right now, we haven't lost Tosin. We have lost Shane Duffy. And, you know, it's good to have two in each position if possible. We don't really have anyone breaking through the youth team at the moment either in centre-back position, which is an area that I think has been a bit of an issue for quite a long time. Um, you know, we've had a lot of players, in particular the forward positions, you don't need to name names, we all know who they are, that have broken through to first team level in defence that hasn't really happened and it's a bit of a shame um, it means that it's been a position that we've had to well essentially revisit every single summer um, you know you normally think that a centre-back pairing is the the core of the team and something to build upon year after year so again another reason why bringing in a young centre-back would be a, a massive massive um, positive for this team I'd say yeah yeah definitely I agree you know obviously last summer we had Idris Adetayo and, and Conor McAvoy making that their kind of appearances in pre-season. But you look at where they ended up you know, going out to, or McAvoy's case in particular, where he, he ended up in the first half of the season at, at Harren Wellstone. And then he looked the next, you know, next half he went to Partick Thistle, which was a nice jump, but equally then got injured and, and missed the rest of the season. So it, it all felt very tricky in terms of actually where, where that next step is coming from. Um, Dean, one we've been linked with in the championship, I think, which is interesting, is Gustavo Hamer from Coventry. Again, this isn't a new link. It's one that we've had going on, it seems, for, for a couple of seasons. A long-standing interest in, in Hamer, who does play in, the, in those midfield areas. He's a very, very good footballer and I would be surprised that if he is on the market, Fulham aren't looking at him. Yeah, yeah, he's a really good player. Um, first and foremost, uh, Coventry will not want to lose him. Uh, they've just lost Jacques who was obviously uh, the star of that team. But Hamer isn't far behind him in terms of how important he is to the way that they were able to push for promotion last season. And to lose both those players will be horrible for them. Nevertheless, when one goes, they're often followed by another and Hamer suddenly has quite a bit of interest around him. I think it's Leeds that are actively yeah. looking at him right now. Um, yeah, so obviously we would have to jump on them. Um, you've got to make most of opportunities like this when they come along. And I was told by someone at Leeds that that, that, is, in, that is genuine interest from them and they, they have been pursuing it. So if that's your main competition for a player like Hamer, then... I think there's a lot of sense in in looking to see if you can get something done. It's difficult to to know how much he would lift the the levels of our team and where exactly he would slot in. Like I don't know that he improves the starting eleven, but it's once you start to get deeper than that and the problems that might come about in terms of what he might do. I don't know, Jack, if you know better than me as to where he would most likely slot into Fulham's team. If it's is it like a is he a Pereira type or is he a bit deeper than that? Yeah, I mean, he's he's played in numerous roles. It was it was the, actual, the exact question I was going to throw to, to Mr. Kelly. Um, you know, <laughs> where does he fit right in? I, I think what's interesting about a lot of these links, and we've you know, is that they have numerous positions that they could fill. Hamer's played well as a ten, I think, when he's been called upon. But I think he does his best work as an eight. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, Forty-four appearances last season, eleven goals, ten assists. Two of those goals. One came in the playoff final, of course. What a finish! What a goal! Mm. And um, and also the the goal in the in the semi final to send it to Wembley. Again, the tenacity to sort of not give up on that chance and still bury it. It was such a good goal. 
and that basically sent them to Wembley and obviously they lost them to Luton but um, I've been very impressed with Gustavo Hamer this season um, I would really like him um, I'm really impressed with the way uh, he plays at Coventry and I I think he would be a squad player I think I agree with Dean he wouldn't you know disrupt the 11 as such but um, at the age of 26 going to the peak of his um peak of his career to play Premier League football I think I'd be pretty happy with that Leeds are obviously linked it'd be nice to not sorry it'd be nice to sign a player and, and him not to go to Leeds um, I think he's a Premier League quality player I think we've seen that in the last couple of seasons um, Gustavo Hamer yes please <laughs> yes please says Jack Kelly Joe Sansom are you with him? Yeah, agreed. No, no, nothing to add. Yes, please. Um, I think this one went a bit under the radar with the whole sort of swarm of teams that wanted Giocarez after the playoff mm. final um, in terms of obviously he's probably the prized asset. He's the one with the, the biggest name, um, not just in length, um, but in terms of <laughs> being the player that everyone every, everyone was keen on. And he played phenomenally well in the playoff final, um, but as did Hamer. And it was one of those where um, we were linked last year um, as has already been said. And I think that it, I, I don't think there was a lot of hype last year when this sort of rumour came about. I think people were saying, yep, yeah, squad player at the very most, you know, is he the player we need? Is he going to take us to the next level? And I, I, I sort of agreed with it. And I think this year I've been, I've been proven wrong in terms of, I think he has more quality than I gave him credit for. And as, as, as JK said, when I've watched him in the championship, I've been thoroughly impressed. Um, you also see the reaction of Coventry fans and, you know, I think that most teams are always going to be disappointed to lose their best assets, but I think they've shown how gutted they would be um, to see him go. And they all think that he's capable of playing at a higher level. Whether that is the case week in, week out, you know, we yet to see. But um, I remember Brentford being linked with him last summer as well. And I know that none of us are the biggest fans of Brentford, but let's face it, their recruitment is normally spot on. And if they're linked with a player, um, (laughs) if there's substance to it, you can normally bank on them being a pretty good signing. Um, so depending on the price, you know, I wouldn't pay ridiculous amounts for this one purely due to the the age being 26. You know, you know, he's not ancient, but, you know, the fact that he hasn't played Premier League football at this stage, I maybe wouldn't make him my first signing, but I certainly wouldn't be opposed to signing Hamer at all. Yeah, I mean, that was going to ask, Dean, you know, what, what would he cost to, to get him out of there? Because there's a couple of things thrown around around the 20 million mark and that feels a little bit sharp for me you know even at 10 million Coventry be making a 9 million profit on Gustavo Heyman now obviously he's improved since they signed him but equally 20 million feels like a lot for a player who wouldn't walk into the starting 11 yeah it does I mean Jokeres has gone for for 20 million and I don't think you'd be wanting to to pay the same amount as that so I think you could use that as a as a a point at which you could could knock that figure down. So maybe like Coventry looked for around 15 and then you've got a decision to make as to whether you think it's worthy of that that level. But I think the 10 to 15 million uh, bracket is clearly something we're looking at. I remember last week I was talking on here about the fact that Fulham did have interest in Fred, but not at 20 million, maybe at 12 million. I still think that that's the case. Like that's what I'm led to believe is still um, the preferred um, valuation that they would have of him might not get their way of of course but so I, I still think yeah we've got to be careful of where we set our sights here um, talking about these players at varying levels Yunus Musa 20 million Hamer 20 million are we going to go that far th- this summer I mean the, the slowness of the um, intention to go into the window suggests we might be a little more cautious to me Mm, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, talking of cautious, we apparently weren't uh, going to offer William what he wanted in a contract. Things have changed uh, by all accounts. It looks like Fulham and William back in negotiations, Dean. Yeah, I mean, this was never going to completely leave. It was just that the opening offer wasn't uh, suitable to what he was looking for. And this, you know, even if they can meet him money wise on this one, doesn't mean they're going to meet him on the terms of the contract in length. And that's going to still be a, a point for debate that they need to meet over but I think that it's important that they value Willian accordingly especially over the course of the season that we've got coming up you know we are short at the moment in wide areas and if you're going to fix that problem you're going to have to invest heavily in the transfer window for a player that can make an impact now Willian's a free transfer free agent so you're straight away taking the transfer fee out of the equation there so 
the opening offer, I believe, uh, in terms of a wage was close to, it uh, was around 3 million a year, which is sort of Palinia level. Um, no, I think Palinia should probably be on more than that, but that's, that's the story for another day. Uh, but the new offer lifts him to around 4 million, which is around what Mitro's getting. So, if you take it for that, then I think that that's probably fair. If you, especially if you were to try and convince him to take a one year, then I think you have to reflect that in the value of the contract, and you and you you, you push him up to be one of your top earners. Obviously, Leno and Mitro are up there at the moment as our as our top two, and you've got to kind of put him in that bracket. You've got to show him like if he's that he's like well if I'm that important to you to get back, then show it. I want two years and I want this wage, and you've got to give one of those things. And I think that if the offer is that we go and give him, you know. 80, 85,000 pounds a week and offer it initially on a one year. I think that's a totally fair offer personally. I think that that, that is probably where we should be. They might be forced to go to two, but they don't want to do that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite a tricky balance to strike, Jack. You know, obviously we all want William back at the club and we all think that what he did last year was sensational. But if you make someone your top earner and his, he completely falls off this year and finally, you know, age catches up with him... I don't think that will happen, but it's a distinct possibility in the realm that he's in. It's a real risk to start offering long-term deals and making him one of the club's top earners. Yeah, no, I said this last week that it runs the risk of him losing that sort of um, star quality that he does have, um, you know, given his age. But then I said that about Tim Ream and Tim Ream has probably got even better over the last couple of seasons um, at playing a higher calibre of football. I don't think Willian automatically comes back in August and starts, you know, putting putting in mistakes and not tracking back and getting, you know, tired after 55 minutes. I don't think that's, that, that, that's not how it works. I'm sure he would say, I want a two-year contract because I feel as though I can still play at the highest level for another two years. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, I I I, I believe him. I, not that he's saying that, but I believe that he would be able to do that. And right now, we need we need him. Um, I mean, no Solomon, no Cabano, which we'll come on to. Um, we're, we're in need of of someone like Willian. So if we have to sort of you know eat a bit of humble pie and offer him you know larger terms than we initially wanted to, then then that's just that's fair enough. And we would be gaining or keeping a player of extreme quality. I mean, it, he last season, he was absolutely exceptional. His debut against Spurs, I was like, oh, not sure. And then from there, he just blossomed. It was absolutely unbelievable. So we have to keep him. And I think uh, he'd, make, he'd play a huge part in next season. I think from a negotiating point of view, the one thing that Fulham will be thinking is like, we know the player wants to stay in London. We know he enjoys being in the Premier League. Who else is he going to go to? And I think you look at it and really, what, West Ham, Crystal Palace, are either of those clubs going to give him a hundred grand a week on a two-year contract with nothing already like in the bank like we've got, like seeing a season of him? I'll be surprised if those clubs were to go and give him two-year contracts. So that's the other thing. Uh, You know, it's, it's a dangerous game if we're going to play bluff here and hope that we can drag this on. And in the end, he has to sign for us because nobody else has come in. But you've also, like you say, we're getting towards the start of the season now. We're one month away from from going into that game at Everton. You don't want this dragging on towards the end of the transfer deadline day, transfer deadline, because there are three games before that point. And we need, if Willian's coming, we want him for those three games. Everton away, Brentford at home, Arsenal away. They're really important games that you would want Willian as an option for. And to see those games pass by and then sign him on deadline day would seem really frustrating, to be honest, especially if you were going to be paying him that amount of money anyway once he comes through the door. Yeah, it's really intriguing to kind of see how it works. You look at what the rumoured contract was last year, Joe, and it was around 40k a week. So obviously what he's looking there is to, you know, almost double his salary to get into that bracket of top earners. He was among the players of the year last season. Fine, no problem. So if you actually count that out, as uh, I suppose this is the flip of it, if you say, right, that was already done. If this was a three-year deal that we'd signed last summer at 60k a week, which would probably average around the same outcome overall, would we have been happy with that? And maybe the answer to that is is a resounding yes. And if that's the case, then then maybe that kind of changes the balance of it a little bit. Yeah, and dare I say, if if Marco Silva's made this such a priority, which he has come out and said uh, in press conferences during last season, 
um, when William was still contracted to us, I almost feel like it's potentially a bullet that we just have to bite um, and just secure him because, you know, as Dean said, he wants to stay in London. If no offers came from London, yes, he may come back to us, but I can imagine someone like a, and I don't know if he'd move there, so this might be a non-point, but someone like a forest offering him silly money. Um, and, you know, is that is that something that he could just do? He's at Greece at the moment. He's in Greece at the yeah. moment, you know, he could get tapped up while he's there. Um, um, the thing with Willian is, uh, you know, it was the first Monday of July last season when we signed Polina. Um, we're in the second Monday of July at the time of speaking right now when um, we haven't made any signings, but we're in a much stronger position with the fact that aside from Willian, we're going into pre-season with contractors to the, to the club, the personnel that we had at the end of last season. And yes, there's question marks over Tosin. Yes, we're not sure if Pereira's back fit, but we're not going into these um, pre-season games in America um, against other Premier League sides with the likes of Odoteo having to start a centre-back because as much as it was a wonderful opportunity for him to play and other players, you know, we didn't have anyone else. We didn't have enough players in our squad. Um, we're in a much stronger position and it would be wonderful to keep that core alive. Um, I'm not quite on the side of, I think it's too much money for Willian. I'm not quite on the side of, oh, it's not my money, I don't care because I think a wage structure for a club is important. Um, but I think I'm on the side of what's most important right now Marco Silva, what gives us a better chance of keeping Marco Silva, keeping him happy? How do we do that? Step one, Willian. So I think that I'm of the opinion that we should just get him in. Um, and if it means a two-year deal, if it was me in charge and it's not, and I'm not a business person, so maybe this is why, I would give it to him. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair point well made, Joe. Uh, and on that fair point well made, we're going to end part one of this podcast. But don't go anywhere, because in part two, we're going to be talking about some outgoings, a new contract, and we're going to be saying a very, very sad goodbye to Niskan Scabano. Don't go anywhere. This is an advertisement for BetterHelp, a portal for finding online therapy. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Would you read more Fulham transfer rumours? Whatever it is, one thing that many of us have in common is wishing that we had more time. And therapy can be a place to help you work through what matters to you so you can have more time to do it. Therapy is great for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the very best version of yourself. It's not just for those who experience major trauma. And if that's something you're looking for, that's where BetterHelp can come in. BetterHelp is entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. They'll match you with a UK mental health professional with a wide variety of expertise. There's no referral needed and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, giving you complete control over the whole experience. And Fulhamish listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Fulhamish. That's betterhelp.com slash Fulhamish to get 10% off your first month. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. I'm going to have to start part two with a little bit of admin because Fulhamish is going to be live in Philadelphia at Milk Boy Bar on the Saturday, the 22nd of July. Doors are going to be at 12 o'clock and the live show is going to be at 1.15 local time. It's going to be Sammy and George from Fulhamish with Russ Goldman and Max Cohen from Cottage Talk, previewing the season, the summer series, all of the latest transfer gossip, and a couple of USA-themed this-will-catch-ons for good measure. Tickets are available now from Milk Boy's website, and the link is going to be in the description of this podcast, and it's on fullamish.co.uk. So make sure, if you are going to that game in Philadelphia, you're at Milk Boy Bar the day beforehand to see that Fulhamish Times Cottage Talk link-up. It's going to be well worth your time. But for now, we're the Transfer Show. My name is Jack Collins. I'm joined by Joe Sansom, Jack Kelly and Dean Jones. And it's time to talk about some outgoings. Uh, the one that's back on the radar, Dean, is Tosin Adrabayo, who continues to be linked with a move away from Fulham this summer. Yeah, so Tosin uh, continues to be uh, a player who is unlikely to be at Fulham. Uh, beyond this transfer window. And, and Tottenham are leading the way, I guess you could say, despite the fact their contacts haven't been exceptionally strong to this point. Now, Tottenham are pursuing at least two centre-backs uh, in this window. 
and Tosin's at the lower end of their their targeting around that, uh, which is fine. You know, it, it's we've we've seen the levels that he's capable of. I wouldn't expect him to be going in as like the the biggest problem solver at Tottenham for next season. But you know, he's in there as an option, and they've still got players like uh, Longley that they're considering. Uh, keeping at the club for depth. But they do seem to actually have an interest in Tosin, which is stronger than I initially expected it to be when the story came out. Um, the problem is that it hasn't really gone that far. And at the moment, from what I'm gauging, speaking to people, they're, they're, they're trying to extend the interest here around Tosin to see what other clubs uh, could have an opening for him if he was to leave. Now, where it gets interesting is like what level of club would he actually leave Fulham for? Because I was told that one of the clubs that might have interest is Wolves. Now, Wolves and Fulham, like, you know, we've been pretty par for the course a lot of the times, like in, in recent years. They have a good year. We have a good year, whatever. They've probably been stronger than us, actually, in, until last season. Um but how would this really make us feel if Tosin was to really push this aggressively, which it feels, to leave Fulham and end up at Wolves? I was like, mm, not sure I feel that great about this. Um, I'm not sure it's that good a move for him either, obviously. Maybe he prefers the style of Lopetegui and being part of a, the rebuild that's going to be going on at Wolves. I stand by the point that I won't be that fussed by Tosin leaving. But if it was a club at Wolves level, even if it wasn't Wolves, but it was a club like that, I would be slightly put out by the fact that he was this desperate to leave Fulham, that he would go there. That's kind of where I am with this at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Joe, I'll come to you on this because it is a bit of a strange one. Obviously, he lost his starting place in the eleven in the sort of second half of last season. He came back in for the last couple of games. But... Is this a marker of, I want to be the first choice and I want to come in as first choice? Now, Wolves have obviously just sold Nathan Collins to Brentford for $23 million or so. There is interest in Max Kilman as well from, from abroad, although Wolves seem to not want to sell him. Is this just Tosin being like, I want to be a first choice undisputed starter rather than scrapping for my place with Issa Diop and Tim Ream? Because that's a relatively uncomfortable situation if that is the, the matter. Like... As Dean says, if he leaves for Tottenham, if he leaves for Monaco, etc., because he's like, I want to go on, kick on and play Champions League football, obviously not this year, but he wants to go and play for a team that can compete for, for being in the Champions League, etc. I can kind of swallow that. I, I'm not sure where it would leave me in terms of kind of feeling about it, as Dean says, if it's just a, a, what seems like a relatively sideways move. Yeah, I think so, because the talk has been, you know, Tosin views us as maybe perhaps a stepping stone to further his career after coming from Man City, not being able to fully break through there. But, you know, stepping stones, you move forward clearly. And even if you don't view Wolves as a backwards move at this moment in time, I know there's quite a lot of uncertainty there. You know, as you said, Jack, they're basically selling all of their defenders or at least linked to selling them all. Um, and they're in very um, tricky financial positions if what's read is meant to be believed. You know, they have to sell to buy. Um, you see Neves going there, obviously club captain. Um, it's just a very weird time to be going to Wolves. And if that is his only option, and it sounds like it's not, um, but if that was his only option, I would feel very, very strange about him going there for sure. And I also don't really get the mentality of, you know, I want to be the undisputed, you know, starter at the club. Obviously, that's a benefit. But at the same time, He's won his place in the squad as of right now. He is our first choice centre-back at this moment in time. And if we would start next season tomorrow, I would be expecting him to start over Diop based on how last season ended. So it's it's a weird situation where I feel a bit uncomfortable with Tosin leaving to a club that isn't you know, in European football or a very clear step up because from his career perspective, I don't really get it. I also think he's in a difficult position now if a move doesn't materialise because... Yes, fine. He'll be leaving for free next summer. But what does he do in that year? You know, is Marco Silva going to want to start him? Um, I mean, I don't think he'll be completely frozen out by any means or anything like that. But I certainly feel it's an uncomfortable situation for everyone at that point in terms of what, what do we do with him? Yeah, Jack, it, it's not easy, this. One year left in your contract isn't isn't a nice, particularly nice place to be for a lot of players because it leaves you a little bit in limbo if no one tries to 
pay the agreed fee. So he, he is stuck a little bit in no man's land. I do feel a bit for him, although you have to you know, appreciate the contracts were apparently put on the table. I, I I can understand it from his point of view. Like he wants an upgrade in his career because he's always spoke about his ambition to play back in the Champions League after coming from Manchester City. Um, and I can I can completely understand that. But if the Tottenham move doesn't materialise, I'm completely with Joe. Like a move to Wolves where you have to live in Wolverhampton or Birmingham, like over London. Like no disrespect, but I, I don't I don't. And, and Joe's right completely. In the end of the last season, obviously Ream. Reams injury forced the hand where we had to play Tosin and Diop, but Tosin had literally overtaken Diop in the pecking order. Um, <laughs> is he now going to come back to Motsu Park with his tail between his legs? If you know, come September, if um, if if a move doesn't materialise, perhaps it's a weird one. It's a really weird one. Um, and the thing is, like, he's reached an age where he can now reach the peak of his career, and and. If he went to Spurs, there's there's no way he start like Solomon. There's no way he will start um, in Premier League games. He might start in the odd Carabao Cup game or the FA Cup game. Um, the whole situation is a bit bizarre, as Joe said. I'm sort of echoing what Joe sort of just said, but I would like to see him stay. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's made it perfectly clear now that his ambition is to move. And I thought maybe I think maybe in his head he thought that he could maybe break into that team in the top six. A Spurs, uh, I don't know, a, a club of that ilk, but it doesn't seem to be right now like that's on the cards. But there's a long way to go. Hopefully, come August 12th, he's still a Fulham player because we need centre backs. Like I said earlier, we, we need we need numbers in that position. Mm. I, I'm not as completely convinced with you that he wouldn't start for Spurs. I actually do think that he has a far better chance of earning a spot in that first eleven at Spurs than someone like Amanda Solomon, who has to compete with Jungmin mm. Son yeah. if he if he wants his spot. Like I think that Ange would like Tosin Adrabio, and I think that he would suit the style of football that they play. Um, so so there's 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 things to consider in that regard. But more than that, it, it just feels like a very strange position that everybody's in on this one and it all feels very in limbo um talking of which dean have we got any updates on marco silver because this one is rumbling on and on and on i'm actually quite relaxed about it at this point i'm i've heard enough that i'm confident it's going to happen and i can't stress myself over wondering and worrying about when that contract's going to be signed um spoke to a couple of people last week who generally are pretty in the know when it comes to certainly know if I've got anything to worry about and they, they didn't uh, suggest. So uh, there was a story the other day on Football Insider by a guy called Pete O'Rourke that I've known for a long time as a journalist uh, who also was suggesting that Silva was moving closer to signing the contract and I would, I would trust his sources on that knowing uh, where he's got stories from in the past and he's got a good track record. So yeah, I'm honestly like without... Considering there isn't any actual news, I'm I'm relaxed with that news because I don't think he's going anywhere now. I think that preseason's about to begin, getting the players through the door, focus shifts now. Like he's had his opportunity to leave, didn't take it, and it'd be completely debilitating of this entire football club if he was to now go. But I don't. I don't think he'll walk out on us now. I really don't. I think that this deal will will edge closer, and maybe we get. Maybe they leave the announcement until just on the eve of the season, just to give us that boost. We go to to Goodison and get the opening day win. Mm, yeah. Uh, after after what happened, at that Eric is speculation. Well. By the way, do not anyone quote me on that. Um, <laughs> I've been quoted on <laughs> plenty of things over the transfer window. Don't quote me on Marco Silva signing a contract the day before the season begins. Yeah, no, I think that, that one's that one's nostalgia fantasy as opposed to anything else. Uh, Joe, someone <laughs> who very much isn't going to be walking out on us is Anthony Robinson, who signed a new five-year contract hey. with the club last week. This was gratefully received news because I was worried about that left back slot. A hundred percent. And you saw the rumours a few, probably a few weeks ago now, maybe last month where it was saying, you know, Fulham will sell at a certain price. Um, there were links to Newcastle amongst other teams. Um, it's just, it's just wonderful to see because a five-year deal is a long-term commitment. And I don't think someone like to add two and two together and make five. I, I don't think that Anthony Robinson signs that contract if things aren't, particularly rosy behind the scenes. Um, I, in the interview, if you watch it, he speaks volumes about wanting to continue working with Marco Silva and the rest of the squad. Um, 
you know, he's on holiday. We've obviously ambushed it. So maybe something's gone wrong that he hasn't noticed. But at the same time, it's just wonderful to have someone locked down for that length of time. And it'd be wonderful to have a few other players in that same predicament, you know, to, to name a few others that I'm not too concerned about right now. But longer term is Harrison Reed and Kenny Tete. Uh, they're two where we've got, I think, one year extensions, but we don't have them locked down on Polina level uh, terms in terms of them being around in about five years time. So uh, long may this continue in terms of other members of the squad, including Marco Silva as well. Um, but for me, it was just it's the first positive news that we've had in a long time. First news of the window. Um, and for me, it was as good as a new signing because it's guaranteed that we'll have a starting player next season that was in demand. It shows they're happy. It shows they want to continue. And, you know, I remember when me and Jack were doing the, uh, our YouTube show last summer, uh, we, we were debating, you know, is Anthony Robinson one of the players that is going to be replaced in the starting eleven as we're going into the, uh, the Premier League? Um, and I think maybe I was even harsher than Jack in saying, you know, the links to Moreno, who's obviously done very well at Aston Villa. That's besides the point. Um, we were thinking, is he someone that we can replace? And I was basically saying, yeah, he's someone that we can definitely upgrade. Fullbacks are very difficult positions to upgrade. Yeah. And I think that we've seen that for Premier League football, he's perfect in terms of physicality and it's more suited to his game than the championship. And I'm delighted that we've got him locked down. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. Um, Jack, my favourite part of, of some of this was learning that Anthony Robinson wears 33 because it's the last two letters of his first name backwards. I think that was genuinely the, the moment. I just thought he wore 33 because three was taken and he couldn't wear it because anyone thought that <laughs> there was a real commitment to wear the three on a left-back shirt. But turns out, no, it's just the EE at the back of his name backwards. So, you know what? Fair yeah. play to him. I wonder what his uh, phone provider is as well. Um, yeah, this, this is a bit like an RKO. <laughs> no, I'll say this is a bit like an RKO because it came absolutely out of nowhere. Um, as a, as a, honestly, to get Anthony Robinson down on a five-year deal is some statement of intent. Um, I, I was fully convinced he was just going to leave for a quite a, a big money fee earlier this summer, but um, I was really worried because I mentioned, I think last week or a couple of weeks ago, that he as an individual is very hard to replace the way, what he brings to this yeah. team, the link up he has with his left winger, um, left midfielder. It's very, very key to the way we play His overlapping, his pace, his crossing can do, uh, does need some improvement, but um, he, he's been, he's been so good last season and to have him for five years, you know, that doesn't, you know, we're guaranteed to have him for five years, but having locked down into a contract is very key. Uh, it uh, brings his value up as well. And he's still very young as well. And I've said, I feel like I've said it about three times this podcast, but he's going to be reaching the peak of his career within this, within, you know, with his age. And hopefully he can, he can blossom, I've said blossom as well. Um, he can, he can do really well at Fulham and, and just keep going. And, and yeah, I think that interview on FFC TV sort of indicated to me that Marcus Silva wasn't going to go anywhere, which is, goodness me, we were, we were panicking and could not find the panic button last last week. It was, you know, when those rumours resurfaced, I was really scared. But things seem to be just looking a little rosier than they did a couple of weeks ago. And, and it makes me excited for the new season as opposed to dread like we felt last summer. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there was one bit of bad news, though, lads. Uh, and that, that was yeah. the news that Niskins Cabano has decided that his time at the club is up. He turned down a new contract at Fulham after a really, really long and fruitful spell at the club. And he has gone off the UAE to play his football next season. The good news is He's still going to be playing in black and white. And we saw the <laughs> unveiling of him with his new black and white shirt. And I was like, well, there's some things that never change. Uh, but I just wanted to allow everybody to say goodbyes to Neeson's because I, for one, was absolutely inconsolable when this news dropped. I love Neeson's Cabana. You know, from the moment he walked into the club, I was like, this guy is just unbelievable. On the pitch off the pitch, everything he offered to this Fulham fan base has been sensational. And that return of that year loan at Middlesbrough where he came back and established himself as a key member of the side in the in the winning the title winning season in the championship under Marcus Silva among the most electric I've ever seen a one-on-one -on -one winger. Just a joy to behold in every single sense. And I am going to miss him 
immensely, immensely. We weren't miles off a testimonial game, and that makes me sad because the Niskins Cabano testimonial would have been someday at the office. Um, but he goes off to to make the bag, and and that I cannot I cannot complain with. He's uh, he's more than earned it. Yeah, I mean, 2016, he, he signed. There's not many players left around from then uh, who were able to come through that era. So he, he's ridden a fair few waves. He's seen good times and some really bad ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was really impressive when he came back from the Middlesbrough loan and, and was such a hit in this team. He he had something about him that you could just depend on, especially like in those last, um, since that, that moment when he came back, he just became somebody you trusted and there have been certainly not that many players in that position. I mean, even if you think last season, if, if Dan James was coming on, you know, around me, there would be like a collective groan uh, about Dan James coming on. Whereas if Cabano was coming on, it was never the case. And Dan James is probably a better footballer than Cabano, to be honest. <laughs> but there was just something about Neeskins that we've been able to indulge in. Obviously, um, the Harry Wilson and Mitro song that he's part of, like that needs to continue. Um, because well, one, my little boy wouldn't be happy if he can't sing that anymore. But two, it's become part of the culture now at Fulham. And he's become part of the culture too. And like, as I say, yeah, there's not many, it's kind of a cult hero, isn't he? There was nothing like, he's not, he's not Tom Kearney, he's not Mitrovic, but he will always hold that special place in your heart. I couldn't even like tell you like my favourite Neeskins moment but I just feel comfort in having him there. And now it's not there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, someone's going to have to bring up the free kicks. I'm going to throw it to you, Joe, because that run of free kick goals at the end of the, the Scott Parker season was just absolutely sublime. Yeah. Just sensational. I remember the last day of the season against Wigan, and that's even before the one that he scored against Cardiff, isn't it? Yeah. But it was just yeah. like he stood over it and he just thought, this is going in. This is in. Um and, you know, I, I was just thinking then when Dean said about my favourite moments, the only one that comes to mind, and I'm, there's probably loads I'm missing, was his first goal um, when it was against mm. Wigan. And I'm just gutted that it wasn't at the Hammersmith end. Last minute winner, wonderful take round, I think, Dan Byrne, <laughs> and then into the bottom <laughs> corner. I don't even think it was a great finish. I think the goalie probably should have saved it. And that made me love it even more. Um, he did the same I thing, didn't he, then, or like a week later? Diaries. Against against Nottingham yeah. Forest at the Hammersmith. Forest. Yeah, yeah. Valentine's Day. Yeah. Love, love. Sensational. And that's quite fitting that it was on Valentine's Day because of how loved he was. Um, I'm delighted that he's going to go and get the bag, as you said, Jack. I think that there's not a player more deserving of that. Um, and, you know, I, I think what, 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 what am I actually the most sad about, I think, is just the fact that he didn't get his Premier League goal. I think that's a thing that I am a little bit gutted about. And so I think that Tyro Mings is going to have to grow up and give him that third one against Villa, even though it wasn't remotely going in. Because um, I'm sure he doesn't want it. Um, but yeah, a wonderful season from him. I'm glad that he had the championship year last year where he really, I think for the first time, fully came into his own as more than just the fun, lovable squad player and really came into the fact that, you know, quality footballer. And yes, maybe the championship was, you know, the level that he dominated. But I think he certainly showed this year that, you know, Premier League, he could certainly cut it at that level. Mm. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I'm be forever mm. sad. He never, that got that strike that hit the post against Liverpool that in the first game of the season didn't oh. just curl into that corner because it felt like the moment. And, uh, you know, it was, it was sad. It was sad that that didn't go in. The, the little dribble against West Brom, the little trick to take three players out of the game in the corner, Jack, is one that springs to mind. Honestly, what a player. Um, I think what's important is you, you look back on that first season, Joe mentioned it with the goal against Wigan. He actually scored some really important goals that season. The goal against Forrest won us the game. The goal against Preston took the game away from them when they when they pegged it back 2-1 and you know, contributed us to, to getting into the playoffs. Um, I'm just looking down at his stats here. He only played five games in 2021. Who was our manager then? Oh, shock. It was Scott Parker. He just wouldn't play him. Um, just, um, and then he obviously went to Middlesbrough and came back and it, the rest is history. I mean, he, last season, sorry, this, uh, the championship winning season, he was unbelievable. One of the best wingers in the league. Um, and just what a player, what a guy. Uh, managed to get a couple of selfies from down the years as well. And he's just like the politest guy dabbing on the tube with, with all the Fulham fans after that Barnsley game, I think, or one of those games back then. 
Um, always had time for the fans. Always had time for a club interview. And and the one he did with Jeff um, to say goodbye was was really emotional and, and really heartfelt. And I'm going to miss him. I think we're all going to miss him. And what a player worthy of the number seven. Yeah, yeah. We haven't had, you know, the number seven shirt hasn't had all that many brilliant holders, I think, in, in my lifetime at Fulham. But he very much feels like the one. I think that's a, a, a compliment to him. I, I don't get Fulham players on the back of my shirt anymore, but I would have had Cabano's name. Growing up, I would have had Cabano seven on the back of my shirt because that was that he he just felt like that guy, uh, and that's the highest compliment that I think I can give him. Neeskins, we will miss you so so very much. Uh, and on that note, I think it's probably time for us to say goodbye here as well. So all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to Mr. Jack Kelly. Thank you very much, Jack. Thank you very much, Mr. Joe Sadsom. Cheers, Jack. Pleasure. Thank you very much to Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Fulhamish, your independent voice of Fulham FC. Thank you so much for listening as ever. And we will see you later on this week. You whites.